0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Looking for the Light. I am your co-host, Michael Ablib, with my good friend Axel Hamill, here to break down another episode of The Last of Us HBO series for y'all tonight. We had a very interesting episode today to discuss with y'all a very big shift away from the Last of Us game itself, uh, and we are definitely looking forward to discussing it with y'all. Please make sure to like the video, subscribe to Axel's channel, and leave a comment down below. Let's get a discussion going about this episode, because it is, again, a very different episode from what we were kind of expecting, though maybe some of us were expecting this, given all the hype and talk and media coverage that was leading up to the airing of this app, so we'll see how it goes once again my name is michael abeliff with my co-host axel hamill looking for the light is a podcast about the last of us for last of us fans by last of us fans so we come talking about each episode as uh diehard fans who have enjoyed the video game and very much so into the lore around this world and looking to gain as much as we can from the episode uh, and from the show as a whole. So, going into this episode, uh, we definitely had quite a little bit of a change-up from what uh, the game had, and especially what I think we have been experiencing thus far in the first two episodes. Uh, there was a lot of conversation in the reviews of this episode, or the show as a whole, that the third episode was going to be the most different, from the game most different from the show as a whole but also a lot of hype that this was going to be the best episode according to the critics this is the most significant the most impactful episode uh, out of the build-up to what we might assume the finale might be and uh, it was interesting to see how it wound up being uh, played out delving into a A Rather small but crucial character in the story uh, from the video game and building out their entire backstory uh, and introducing a character that was not living in the video game and developing their backstory as well, as well as kind of further uh, galvanizing this world and giving it more believability. Uh, So uh, definitely an interesting uh, third episode to the series. And uh, we're going to look forward on uh, breaking down this conversation into our three usual categories, as we always do. The world, the characters, and the homage. So first of all, I want to throw it over to Axel. Let's get this conversation going about the world. So we didn't have too, too much uh, broken down for us as far as the world goes outside of Bill's town. We only very much get a perspective on what Bill's town is is within the frames of his house and the the fencing that he has put up around it very different from what we have in the game where in the game bill's town is completely booby trapped we don't really see much of what exists outside of the town but we do get a very nice subtle touch to bill's church which is uh, what his home is in the game is the the church is within the properties of the fencing so we still Paying homage to the game in some sorts, and we'll be touching on that later on in the episode. But, uh, you know, he the world itself isn't it's too, too much um, further put into a panorama for us. Uh, but one thing that we definitely do get in this episode, we were hinted at it or almost clearly given in the last episode, but it was very much so solidified for us in this episode. The flour theory is 100% true, Axel. We got Joel explaining it to Ellie that it went through flour, maybe sugar, easily uh, found ingredients in many, many products uh, that you will pick up at the grocery store. Uh, being that it broke out in uh, Jakarta, potentially being the site of patient zero, that being the spot where it spread and it was able to highlight it in the show where the globalized market that we have today it was very easy to spread combined with the increase of temperature on the planet. It created this perfect environment, so to speak, within this world and uh, the cordyceps of the virus was able to mutate and cause pandemonium across the planet and we had Joel very clearly articulate that so the world in this episode was just a little bit further built out for us. Um, what were else were some of the impressions that you had Axel from this episode as far as establishing the world uh, that the show is portraying and that Creator Neil Druckmann of the video game uh, director at Naughty Dog also said that this TV show is a further extension to some degree of the game as well. What did you take of the world from this episode as it's further explained
1: for us? Amazing summary, Mike. Um, echoing on the fact that um, there's some interesting little factual elements we, we found out for the first time on on this episode. Um Keep it in mind that there's a couple of things that, for new coming fam fans, you should know about. Is that again, the storyline in this TV show is is nothing that you would expect in in a video game, right? Um, so, I think in its in its own right, it's it's uh, it's uh, paving way for a lot more TV show esque. Environments, and I think that's exactly what we need right now. is a is a, a, a beautiful artwork that um, is showing how how vastly different the world it can be when it uh, in in this kind of environment where um, you know most of the population has been wiped out and and you're just trying to survive. So, um, paying attention to sort of the the storyline at, at the beginning of the episode, um, we see Ellie and Joel kind of on foot leaving Boston to uh, to this to the outskirts of of, of, of the city um, we understand how people communicate in this realm uh, it's it's a lot by radio there's a small little hint in the episode that other people can listen in on your conversations so you have this survivalist mentality where you know you really have to be specific on how you communicate and what you communicate whether it's by code or or music, even as they were alluding to uh, on episode one and episode three, um, we again we get the idea, the perfect idea of, of how the virus is had been spreading around the world. So even the smallest things, the basic ing- basic ingredients, uh, flour, sugar, uh, bread, you know, all these kind of things were adding up. And and Joel put this perfectly. Friday you know, Thursday, Friday morning is when people bought these items, they uh, ingested these items. By Friday night, they started biting. Uh, And by Monday, the following Monday, everything was gone. That's how quickly everything turned around. So think about this world in in, in a contrast of of themes a little bit. So every flashback we've had so far, we get this buildup of hopelessness in the world. We get an idea of You know how much fear there was in a world where the virus is is out. The outbreak is starting. What can happen with the if the fungus evolves to that point? You know, literally in the the last episode we saw we saw um, a professor in the field literally say, "Hey, let's bomb the city. Otherwise, we're never we're not going to survive this." And in this episode, we find out in a flashback specifically that some survivors actually were going to the QZ, but there was no room, then you would literally be killed off and they would just leave the bodies in the side of the road. So you can definitely tell that the world was very cruel to one another and it still is, but you can definitely see that that element of hopelessness, the fear factor that uh, people went through. On the side of Bill too, in the world, Bill's town uh, is, is definitely interesting. Uh, for one thing, Bill is a survivalist. He went around, waited for everyone to leave town to make his move and establish himself in that town with all the resources that he had. Claimed to be self-sufficient. We didn't really learn too much about the environment Bill was living aside from that. I mean, the, the rest of the story of, of the TV show took place in, in literally his house and the fence around the house. But what you can probably imagine is that Bill is interesting, and the and the world is interesting because nobody would come looking for you, right? Um, you can he was self sufficient enough to fend off against intruders to an extent, um, and the one person that did find him ended up being one of his romantic interests, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I think that's that's what makes this episode so interesting is that there were. Um, A lot of context clues around what happened, how it happened, and the inclusivity of one person living in as a survivalist within this world. So, Mike, you know, I, I think the interesting part about this episode is that there's a lot of character development here for just these two characters that we hardly hear about in the games. Honestly, total 180, I mean, in lack of a better term, Bill's an asshole in the games, right? And so to see some empathy shown to one another, uh, creating that, that sense of, of love of the original theme of the first game and emphasizing that in, the, in its own right, has a dramatic impact in the rest of the story. Um, I think not too much else to talk about the world itself here, but we can definitely delve dive into a lot of the character development in this story. Would Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely agree, Axel. So what the world definitely got, you know, a a, a very proper, uh, you know, uh, strike on the nail head, if you will, uh, where we definitely had that stake be driven quite a bit deeper in our understanding for what the world is. How more? Uh, I think clearly with every single episode, it's going to be further and further explained, and either. Um, small little dialogue that the characters will have or details that we'll be able to pick up on uh, that the writers of the show uh, might have a subtle slip as far as a comment that one of the characters will say that honestly will be able to very much so amplify um, kind of the, the the grounding of the setting for this show. But you make a very, very good transition, I would say, to discussing more of how deep the character development is is in this uh in this episode um predominantly for two characters one of whom is again not alive even in the game and the other who we find out very little about you know one thing i want to very quickly pause on and you know, obviously we have fans watching this show right now who are both uh, uh, veteran fans of The Last of Us and jumping into the TV show for the first time uh, altogether. And to those fans, I say you guys are crazy. You should just watch the rest of the the HBO show once it's done. Then go back and watch all of our. Uh, podcast and then also play the video game at the same time you know it's a very good hand-in-hand kind of uh adventure that you can take with us uh the the hosts of looking for the light the in, last in, that last too, people, in, in that, that exact order too. people in that exact order as well but one thing that uh, i need to kind of like talk to our uh hardcore last of us fans about is the fact that aside from Let's think about it real quick. Joel and Ellie, who we don't get a whole lot of backstory on them. We just get so called current gameplay experiences of them with, you know, a good number of jumps in there as well. But not a whole lot of backstory development on either of the characters. You you get Ellie's so-called flashback in uh the left behind dlc and for joel you get small comments that he says here and there that kind of builds out his backstory but a lot of that is kind of left up to to the imagination of uh, of the viewer the consumer of the the product itself so there's not a whole lot there in the game where, as opposed to in the show, in very subtle comments, we're learning so, so much about the characters. Um, not so much about Ellie, and it's something that maybe we'll touch on later on in this episode. But for Joel, we get a lot more information about him, his backstory. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot like that for the rest of the uh, the show itself. Uh, obviously, we got that for Sarah, but Sarah's a short character, so we don't get to very much so expand on that. But we did get more than we did in the game. Tess, we know Tess, where Tess is from. We have a lot more backstory when it comes to Tess. Bill and Frank, you know, this is this is so much telling to a story where for us as consumers of the game, we had nothing really to base off of, uh, base off of when it came to Bill. He was just a character who pops in, has an attitude, helps Joel. We find out a little bit about him and his backstory that, you know, most of us probably didn't see that coming, but... There's not a whole lot of character development there. As opposed to here through this platform, not a video game but a show, you can very much so build upon those 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 character dynamics, make them complicated, complex characters and give them depth and a core. I think they did a splendid job in this episode of delving out the character that is Bill and Frank and making a believable and justifiable diversion away from the video game as far as telling bill's story but still kind of reigned true and paid to some homage to the game there are some pretty significant differences axel as we have both noted you know uh, bill was an asshole in the show he's still an asshole but he's a willing to change asshole and he does evolve you know throughout the show The show covers Bill from about, what, 20 years. We first see Bill immediately after the outbreak, and then we see Bill maybe a couple of weeks before Joel and Ellie show up to his house. So we get, obviously not the full 20 years, but we get very solid flashpoints of his life without Frank, with Frank. As he was growing with Frank as well, it's a very interesting depiction to Bill. We get so so much depth to him in very very subtle ways as well. You know, there's maybe there are some correlations here between the Bill in the show and the Bill in the game because it's honestly very hard to call them the same. The Bill in the game doesn't die. They he says goodbye to Joel and Ellie, and then he returns back to you know his church or his home that the church which was his home in the game you know he his character in theory lives on in the video games universe in the show's universe if we want to draw a line between these two being very different he doesn't live you know so there's there's some pretty significant uh backstory there we also get hints to to the home you know how bill was living himself within the home how isolated he was it was never clearly drawn out in the game that bill was any kind of survivalist that bill was any kind of a prepper but in the show it's very clear that bill is a hardcore prepper he was hardcore preparing for this uh long before uh the cordyceps virus mutated his stockpile of guns his stockpile of supplies his handiwork and capability of survival and understanding of how to set up traps and uh fencing as well you know it goes to show that he he's a very very deep character who has you know, this 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 personality to them. That's something that they were able to really build out in the show uh, that you really couldn't get in the game. One thing, Axel, that I thought was pretty interesting that was also caught on, uh, Nick Offerman's uh, portrayal of Bill, which was phenomenal, by the way. There were very subtle little uh, hints throughout the episode that showed that, you know, the, the house that Bill lives in in the show – Happened to be his mother's house, and that she uh, presumably had passed away at some point in time. So Bill remained in this like childhood home that he had lived in, you know, for his entire for the entirety of his life, and how, you know, kind of isolated he is as a character is uh, is very interesting. A lot of people on the internet were pulling correlations between Bill uh, and how Nick Offerman portrayed him. Uh, to uh, Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation and how Nick Offerman portrayed him. Very similar characters, but with this one very key difference that Bill seems to be a hardcore recluse. And Nick Offerman, you can't say that he uh, was a recluse, but you also couldn't say that he was necessarily an extroverted character. But this build-out for the character of Bill in this show is uh, pretty astounding and get him, gave him a lot more uh layers you know Uh, very different from the game but I don't think Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason wanted to portray Bill as such a hard-nosed stubborn you know uh selfish idealist as he is in the game I give him a lot more uh complexity in the show love to hear what your takes were Axel of uh Nick Offerman's portrayal of Bill and kind of the 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 big divergence that we're seeing in the show uh for uh the character of Bill not to mention this is going to be the only time we're probably ever going to see him it's not like there's probably going to be any flashbacks to Bill nothing significant happened between Joel and Ellie with Bill since they never got to meet or Ellie never got to meet him living so you know it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, one-episode steal-the-show kind of performance from Nick Offerman. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. I wanted to shoot that over to you.
1: I want to start off by saying a couple of things. Number one, uh, I hope I'm not the only one whose jaw dropped to the floor when I saw more of a romantic involvement between Bill and Frank. Uh, I was genuinely shocked, uh, but in a good way. I think that it... I was not expecting that, for lack of a better term. Um, I think ultimately, it just drew in this emotional weight to the story right away. So a couple of things that I want to mention about uh, that as well is that if you haven't noticed, number one, nearly every character we've seen portrayed in The Last of Us so far Has been a recycled HBO actor. We'd love to very good point. Love to see people's comments about this. Can you identify all of them and from where they are, uh, what shows they're from? But you're not being critical of them hiring. Like,
0: I'm curious whether or not a lot of these actors are under like HBO contracts or something like that, so they have to portray, you know, participate in a certain amount of HBO productions or whatever you're not like harking on on them for having so many HBO faces
1: are you no I'm not harking on that I think that it's it's a good thing to have some trust and verification with the people you've worked with I just find it really funny and maybe I'm the only one who who feels this way that when you see a character's face that you've seen elsewhere in a show with the same network Bill Ramsey Game of Thrones or Murray whoa whoa whoa,
0: from- whoa 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 let's let's see if some of our fans can comment down in the comment section below if they can call out everyone who is in the last of us who also is in another hbo show what character did they play too you can't give them all away Axel. you said Bella Ramsey, and uh sorry who was the second uh, actor that you had mentioned
1: murray bartlett
0: murray bartlett from uh white lotus okay all right let's see if the fans give them call out the rest of them but good uh, good observation actually yeah definitely a lot of hbo faces on this show uh hbo just showing off that they're the goat you know being able to pull off so many great shows you know obviously game of thrones was a major success white lotus was very binge worthy television that's for sure um yeah no sorry continue
1: i think a creative differences from our perspective to theirs but Kudos to them for for really killing it on on the casting again. Here's here's what I think. Ultimately, the story between Bill and Frank was the big divergence from the game, uh, but in a good way. So I agree with you. Ellie's portrayal, of, sorry, Ellie's Bella Ramsey's portrayal of, of Ellie has yet to be seen at its full capacity. I think there's a lot to unpack there. We have six more episodes to do so. I'm not gonna spent a lot of time on that quite yet. What I will say, though, in the very uh, entry scene of the episode with, with Ellie's dynamic of, of uh, the infected in the basement, you can kind of see her cold-hearted nature at the same time. So, Ellie is while at the same time the comedic relief we need in this type of world, you can definitely tell she's been through a lot in her past because she was not, would not even flinch from the notion that there's an infected right in front of her. And she knew exactly what to do. In that sense, I think you can sort of start to understand and unravel that she's not just some common girl, and there's a lot more to her than that. She's tough, absolutely. She's tough, and the same thing go you know goes for Joel. I think that's why they're such a good pair with one another, is that they they both hold a certain degree of emotional weight, and in its contrast. Um, Bill in, this, in the story again of of the Last of Us game is an asshole. He is a, is a brilliant scientist. He know, he's a crafts craftsman, for lack of a better term. He can fend off hordes uninfected with with his gadgets. However, in in its in comparison to the TV show, I think it's this is the, the monumental divide between what the game story is that we know and love versus T V show story. And I think the big reason for that is, and it's one of the the things we talked about in the first episode of our podcast, is that they wanted to make the story a lot less gamey, right? That the mm-hmm. the patience you need in the game is it's relevant because you need you have tutorials. You have to understand the gameplay mechanics. You have to understand the background of, you know, how to use your tools and environment to your advantage. You don't need to do that in a in a in a TV in a TV show or a movie for for that matter. You just need to get straight to the point, And you need to tell the same story in, in it in its own right. And I think that's why this story of Bill and Frank was was really kind of, you know it was it was a solid story, it was a beautiful story to be told, to re display the the theme of, of love in The Last right. of Us, right? Right.
0: Um
1: so from that standpoint, I think Seeing Bill open up with empathy to to an outside person uh, was really great character development. Um, the romantic interest really built up to the finale of the episode, which was, "Hey, Joel, protect what you what you find most important in your life." And For he, sure. we know that he felt at that moment that he failed with Tess, and so. He know he knew that to hold on to Tess's legacy he needed to protect Ellie moving forward get her where she needs to go and, and be that hope for for him and, and the universe and, and all that good stuff right so I think that's this is the this is the both the monumental episode for the divergence of the story from the original Last of Us game and also the monumental story to get to move us forward the dynamic between Joel and Ellie and in this uh survivalist story right
0: yeah i think it's something that you brought up is it's important to kind of to explain ourselves a little bit when we say bill is an asshole in the game as opposed to here uh in the show that the the, the clearest depiction of that if we draw a comparison between the two is at the end of the game um when joel is parting away from bill their interaction is essentially, you know, Bill is, I don't know what the heck you're doing with this girl, but, you know, just do whatever you got to do. Look out for yourself. That's the most important thing. There's no point looking out for other people because you can't. Just look out for yourself. In the in the show, Bill's last remarks to Joel are completely different. They are Find something that's worth living for, and do all that you can to protect that. So that because that's the one thing that is worth living life. That's what's actually gonna bring you away from just survival and actually into, you know, an element of being able to live. So that very clear difference that we have between the game and the show. It's interesting that they did that. I'm curious to see, you know, maybe why they did that. Um, this is pretty early on. Edit that out, please. This is very early on in the game where Bill is able to still be a character within the the, the, the story arc of the game. When it, so early on Bill can be kind of a negative character you know he's obviously doing positive things he gets them a car battery he gets them moving yada 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 but his contribution to the theme of the story within the game itself uh, he can be kind of a, a negative character in that sense in the show we're three episodes in now bill is the opposite he is a positive character that is pushing something a narrative if you will within this story so they're introducing this element of you know there's a reason to survive and the reason to survive is to find people that are worth living for and that's very interesting that we're getting that big difference as far as the uh, story arc of the game and the story arc of the show. Because early on, the storytellers, in this case, Neil Druckmann and Craig uh, Mazin, they're tr- pushing this kind of like a, a, an early uh, positive chapter within the story. And it's interesting to see where this is going to
1: play out uh, further on. Really good point. I think also another thing that uh, us in the audience need to consider is that Nick and Murray are both uh, comedians, so they're acting. Are they? Yes, they are. And you know what the funny thing is? They even mentioned this in. Well, I know. In sorry, I know. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know the funny thing is about um, the whole attribute of comedians is that they actually can portray the weight of life the in the best way. They're re- they're uh, they're very realistic in displaying. Emotions, right? Because they sure. realize they can joke about it so well. The negative aspects of life that they can portray it in the in the you know the best way possible on screen. That's right. why Nick and Murray were the best actors for these two characters. Um, both the sadistic, uh, negative, uh, um, you know, lack of emotion person is right. is Bill. Then you have Murray, who's sort of this hey, I'm in the same situation as you. I've been through hell and back. But right. I can bring you to a positive light, you right. know? Um, so I think that's why these two pairs of comedians are were the best for these two roles. And, I, you know, maybe maybe you can disagree with that, but I think that's, that's an interesting casting choice, and I think it was the best casting choice for these two characters, so.
0: For sure, for sure. I think you definitely drive a very good point. I had not thought of it like that. Um. Very interesting, you know, casting as well for these two characters. And I think there was some co- comedic relief to their, you know, to their portrayals uh, of Bill and Frank, too. It, it made it a very lighthearted episode.
1: Gauge in on the relationship between Bill and Frank and, and uh, Joel and, and Tess. So we have a very brief interaction between uh, the couples there, but it wasn't distinctly mentioned, but it was also mentioned that they were. A situation uh, in in this part of the the episode very interesting by the way because that was never portrayed in, in the game but I love that they added that on there as a little tack on um, one thing that we learn about Joel is that and uh, Bill is that Joel is the one person in the world aside from Frank that he trusts Bill even mentions when he when he when they get raided, and he gets shot to call Joel. That's how much he trusts this call outside Joel. person. Call Joel. Call Joel, Joel! And Joel immediately is is at a you know higher level of survival knowledge than Bill is. You can tell that Joel knows how to navigate a situation when he's in a pickle, basically. He could look at the fence five minutes, told him exactly what he needed to do to make that even more. Foolproof, right?
0: 100%, yeah.
1: So I think that was really interesting. They added those little details of how much Joel and Tess have essentially seen around the world and how much of an advantage they have as they are smugglers by nature. Right. And how much they could work together since uh, Bill and Frank can provide shelter and certain other elements like more, I guess, freedom for food specifically. And then as smugglers, they can trade – Items they have in a, an environment that can actually have better, you know more of a supply of, of items, right? So I think that was an interesting dynamic. Again, talking about the world and the character development, is that we never really saw the working relationship between the two, the four of them.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, very good point there too. Also, I think it's good on them to kind of you know not be. Um, uh, not be dumb to the fact that you know when, who Joel is as a character, because when Joel takes a look at Bill's fence, Joel was a contractor before he was he was a carpenter, as far as we understand. So him looking at you know construction in that kind of like eye, as as far as you know what can be done to improve things to make them better to make them safer, you know they played into that. Uh, they played into that character. Uh. Uh, piece as well in this episode so you know that kind of also ties into to the character development uh the world as well as a whole but also that homage too i think we need to round out this conversation on the episode you know it was definitely a deep episode when it comes to the character development and, you know more further establishing of the world but the last thing is the homage now we've talked about how this episode you know takes quite a a few steps away from the game in a lot of ways that homage isn't necessarily there if we're to say this is supposed to be a one-to-one portrayal of bill from the game because it's not it's a very different bill it's a frank that a frank that we had never met or experience at all in the game aside from a note that he leaves at the very end which shows that frank and bill did not have the most amicable relationship at least towards the very end but there are still some subtle homages you know uh in the episode uh for the show uh speaking of that note that's the same note in a sense if you will uh that frank leaves behind for bill that bill winds up crumpling up we in this case this note is left from bill to joel and joel winds up crumpling it up at the very end so in a sense that's a homage there too the chevy s10 pickup truck 100 take it from the game uh a lot of the clothing that bill or excuse me that ellie and joel are at least living leaving bill's home wearing that's a lot of the clothes that they're Wearing in the game as well. Subtle homages. Ellie's pistol that she also takes from Bill. Homage in the sense that it's the same pistol, not a homage in the sense that Ellie gets it on her own, technically kind of like stealing it and hiding it from Joel, as opposed to in the game Joel gives it to her. So, homage in a sense, also diluting away from the game. Interesting. There's a couple other homages. In the show as well, that uh, throwback to the game as well. Axel, did you catch any in particular that were uh, that really caught your eye?
1: Those are really good points, Mike. I think I want to take a step back and say one thing. Shoot for it. Uh, I was actually at first very disappointed with the fact that it was a separate story from the homage of the of the, of the game. And having talked to a few, a few other friends of mine, you know, I, I think I had a chance to kind of expand on that notion a little bit. I think um, my mentality at first was very close-minded. It's like I was really expecting a lot of that one-to-one replication for the game. But what I realized was that, like I said before, I think it, it works in our benefit to have a story that's basically original from what we saw in the game. Um, and I think... Again, there's a a few elements I'm going to mention in just a second what I thought were one-one replications for the game. But I think to set ourselves in what we now know as the the Last of Us universe on a TV screen is now its own original path, right? There's going to be a lot of differences we're going to start seeing moving forward that are using the original source material. But for now... I was originally disappointed but now I'm starting to really love it. The fact that they're being original. I think that's exact that's the expectation we should have moving forward is being open-minded to these ty- types of changes to carry more emotional weight and more of that original theme because at the end of the day, it do- the theme is the same. It's love and the hope in in a in a lost universe basically, uh, where everything is is torn apart. Same thing in in, a, in the first game. Uh, as it is in a TV show. It's just a w- different way of portraying it. That's what we should take away from this, if there's anybody else thinking the same way. Now, what I will say, though, is, um, again, the only effect in the game uh, portrayed almost one-to-one to what you'd see it in in the game. Another thing, too, is when you, when you look at sort of the empty store in the very beginning scene of, of the episode... Exactly what you would see in 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 the game, right? You're scavenging for items, you're looking for places. The way they're even grabbing and moving things aside, like that's exactly what you you'd see in, in the game. Like, kudos to that detail. That that was fantastic. Going, you know, I'm gonna just exclude a lot of the parts that we we saw in character development. We talked heavily on that emphasis on the very very last act of of the episode. We talk about Joel and Ellie actually getting in there. We, we get the letter, um, similar th- similar theme as we what we would see in, in the game. But again, it's portrayed more towards the relationship between Joel and Ellie and that's totally fine. But what really got me was, quote unquote, three rules that Joel puts in front of Ellie. Number one, you do what, as I say, Dear when homage. I say it. Number two, you don't talk about L- tests ever. And number three, you don't show the bite mark. Otherwise, they will shoot you, no questions asked. And the way Ellie says, what do you say, goes, I even got goosebumps, I'm not going to lie. I think that was exactly what he would hear in the game. So great portrayal there, 100% one-to-one, love it. Again, um, looking at the costume changes for Joel and Ellie, Ellie's shirt, everybody who plays the game would know exactly what she's wearing right there. The tropical palm tree and in the, in the red background, the sunset theme. Absolutely love it. Rocking it. And then here comes Joel with the usual flannel, uh, the green flannel as you'd normally see in a game. I think that that itself is homage to the fact you can change costumes in the game de- depending right. on the environment, right? Um, so, right love that fact they added that 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 little element in there um definitely the representation we really needed in in the show so far and they got the truck and in the the very 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 last scene of the episode where they drive off and you see the the window with the drapes and kind of that that pan out um let's let's be honest you've seen this in if you in, played in, the game yeah if yeah so right, go ahead if you've played yeah. the game, you know that's the, that's the intro sequence, the title screen of the game, that the music, the the whole, the hinting of, you know, moving forward in the world, like that's, that's exactly what we were looking for for homage to the game.
0: Not to mention also the ending of the second video game, The Last of Us Part Two, also ends with a pano shot on a window looking out. So definitely a lot of homage there. Axel, you mentioned something. Uh, that I think is very important and I think we got to round out the episode with this uh, before we say goodbye to our fans watching the show but before we talk about what's coming in the episodes next let's give our final grade for this episode Axel, what's your final take on episode 3 of The Last of Us titled Long Long Time
1: Mike, drum roll please And without further ado, I am going to give this a solid 9.0 A-, and let me tell you why. I'm going, to, I'm going to break this down in numerical value. So acting, characters, straight up 10 out of 10. That was phenomenal acting. That was that was Hollywood at its best. Um, I, I really enjoyed the transition, the emotional weight, uh, the conversations, the attention to detail. Man, that was that blew me away. I was in tears. I was in tears, y'all. That that's that's how well that acting was done there. 10 out of 10. Now, let's let's break this down on on in terms of the score for the rest of the thing. So, we have the the homage. Um, that is going to get my lowest score. Roughly between 8.5, 8.7. Again, this is the divergence between you know, uh, the storyline of the game, the storyline to the TV show. While I think that it, it was much needed, our comparison is strictly on the facts. And that's why I think the divergence heavily downplayed um, on the comparison between the, the show and, and, and the game. Last but not least, we talk about the world. Um, I think it was well portrayed. So for me, that that's a good uh, solid A, 9.3. Mike, what do you think? I will give it a very similar grade.
0: I think uh, the significant divergence from the game is still done in a very honest, believable, uh, and, and uh, definitely, yeah, sorry, definitely an honest and believable portrayal of this story. Great amount of homage to the game as well, I would say. Uh, and it, it just in a very interesting arc that we're developing early on in this show. Have a lot of questions as to how the rest of it is going to go, but at least for this episode, I will give it a solid 9.6. So, a little bit better than straight in the middle. Anyway, let's round out this conversation, Axel. It's been awesome talking to you and recording another wonderful episode of Looking for the Light. I want to close out with just one quick mention of the fact that we are now officially a third of the way through the season. Nine episodes. Three down, six more to go. And I got to say, Axel, I'm concerned. I don't know how they're going to be able to jam-pack the rest of the story into the show. We've got Pittsburgh or what's going to be Kansas City. We've got the sewers. We've got the suburbs of Pittsburgh. We've got Wyoming, Uh, Tommy's Dam, as it's called in the video game. Uh, Then we have uh, Eastern Colorado University we have David's chapter, we have Left Behind, we have Salt Lake, and then we have the the finale, if you will. That's a lot that they have to shove into the final six episodes, but something that you mentioned earlier <clears throat> I want to hark on here is this episode is definitely the first very, very big example, if you will, that the Last of Us, HBO, is not going to be one-for-one one to the game. And we all knew that. We knew it was going to be different. But I think this episode, and a little bit of a hint of the last two episodes, is that there might be some uh, condensing. There's definitely going to be some uh, further uh, character development and arcs to this story, I think. More introduction of complex characters uh, that are going to add more to this world. Uh, but I think when you do add so much it makes it very difficult to keep everything very grounded so how they're going to be able to condense that into six episodes whether or not the show is going to end the same way that the game ends is a very very big question that I have and I'm very excited to see how they build it out further but one thing's for certain is Pittsburgh's up next or Kansas City in this case uh, for the show, it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do there. We'll probably get the introduction of Sam and Henry. Let's see what's gonna happen. You know, this is gonna be a very, very interesting uh, divergence. I think we all need to brace ourselves for the divergence that's right. about to happen. Uh, we're gonna have to kind of take off our last of us die hard fandom fan hat off and let it kind of you know hit us. And then dive, you know digest it a little bit further uh, on Thursdays, Fridays with us uh, for looking for the light uh, episodes and you know see, see where we stand within uh, the further development of the realm that is the last of us. Axel, what are your final takeaway thoughts for today's episode?
1: Final takeaway thoughts. Um, Pittsburgh fans, if you feel, as sad as I am about losing our city to the to the show, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Please put your comments, your thoughts about that. I uh, would love to hear why you're upset and if we should tell Neil to add it to a future iteration. I'm all for that. Axel, no one wants to go to Schittsburg.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Don't, don't knock it Yo, till you try it.
0: Yins down there, the, yins, yins down there, don't know nothing about the last of us.
1: <laughs> yins know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yins, the, the Steeler Nation needs to be out there. Um, here's here's what I'm going to say. No,
0: Ain't no Steeler Nation.
1: Steeler Nation. Um, here's here's what I'm going to say. I bet
0: Heinz Field looks like what it did in the dark night. It's all caved in and sad.
1: <laughs> First mistake, don't call it Heinz Field anymore. It ain't Heinz Field no more. <laughs> Um, So here's what's going to happen.
0: Um,
1: I personally think that we're going to put a lot of faith into Neil's direction here. Neil Neil has never ceased to surprise any one of us since he has 100% creative liberty to do what they want for this this part of the show. Um, I have full faith in him actually putting a lot of effort into the next six episodes. Here's what I also think. Nobody gives a damn about how how much time we spent patiently going through the gameplay in those those areas. Nobody is going to want to know of you hiding behind a building, but until you can actually pass through a bunch of enemies to get to the next area, right. realistically, we can probably skip you know hundreds of hours of gameplay in context to just condense it into into just a couple episodes at best, right? I also think that there is, for a better industry term, a lot of fluff in those areas. So this is actually a good chance for the, the creative team to condense the story and make it more relevant to what we're actually trying to portray. Love to see what they what they come up with. Also, when in the hell are they going to show a bloater? I went into this episode fully thinking we're gonna see a bloater, and they're they're just gonna pull a fast one on me. Guys, put your comments below and let us know exactly what you think for the next six episodes, because these these next oh, yeah. couple episodes are gonna be probably one of the the turning points. We're gonna be introduced a whole new characters, a whole new world out there outside of the the little Boston, Massachusetts area we've seen so far. And on that note, Mike, you wanna close us out for for the next episode? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think you're not alone in this uh, in this world, Axel, as far as people who are deathly excited to see a bloater. And there's quite a bit of rumor that we are going to come across a bloater in Kansas City in this show. So uh, let's see if it happens. Everybody, get all excited. Get hamped up because we have another episode coming on this Sunday, episode 4 of The Last of Us, titled Please Hold My Hand. Is this a song reference to the 80s again? Are we still going to keep on getting song references? Let's see. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Looking for the Light. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below. We'd love to get your comments, get some feedback from you guys. Love to have some discussions in the next episode. And Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Michael Abelov. My host is Axel Hamill. And you have been listening to Looking for the Light. Thanks, y'all. See you next week.